0: apply these things um, that God teaches us um, to our lives. So, I want to start out today by having you think about a question that I'm guessing every single one of you were asked by your parents or by an adult or adults as a kid. And it's a question that some of you adults are probably maybe still trying to find an answer to, but it would have been nice if you already found an answer to it. Here's the question that you've probably been asked. What do you want to do or be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? Now, I really want you to think about how did you answer that question? as a third grader or a fifth grader or a seventh grader, whatever age, how did you answer that question? I want you to think about it, because just in a moment, I want you to share that with someone sitting near you. This time it can be in your family, but let's make sure that everyone has someone to talk to, okay? So what do you want to be when you grow up, all right? Go ahead, share that with someone sitting near you. Include people around you, all right? Go ahead. (laughs) uh, If you're a regular attendee at Bethlehem, I've shared this before, but uh, when I was growing up, I didn't want to be a pastor, Um, I wanted to uh, be a basketball player in the NBA, um, which you know, a lot of young boys want to be that, and so I spent hours and hours at the park shooting hoops, went to every basketball camp um, my family could possibly afford and begged them, and and also was on multiple basketball teams, and so I'm wondering, I'm sure if some of you are, you know, don't know my full background or maybe are, are guests here at Bethlehem, you're probably wondering, you know what, I wonder what happened. Was he able? Did, did he ever play in the NBA? And I'm sure some of you are very suspenseful about that. And, you know. So I'm not going to leave you in suspense. I'm just going to share it with you. I didn't play in the NBA. Did not make it. Played in college, not in the NBA. And uh, not a big surprise. I'm wondering, show of hands, how many of you are today, occupation-wise or whatever, what you shared with the person next to you. Raise your hand if that's the case. All right. All right, cool. So it's about the same percentage in all of the services today, a few smattering of hands of people that they always wanted to be X and they became X. Now, even for those people and for all of us, the reality is, is that beyond what you wanted to be, Your vision, your dreams for your life today, back when you were a third grader, a fourth grader, or a fifth grader, whatever, I guarantee you, in every area of life, it's not exactly the way you dreamed and hoped it would be. Like, what did you dream your marriage would look like? And for everyone, it's not exactly that. Or what did you dream that your relationship with your kids would be like? Or how did you dream your relationship with your parents would be like? What house did you dream? What would that look like when you were drawing with crayons? And Does it look like that? Or the neighborhood you live in? Or how about the the car that you dreamed that you would someday drive, like a 2000 Taurus with shocks that need replacing and little heat? You know, I'm living my dream although that wasn't what I dreamed, the income that you dreamed that you would have, or the, again, beyond marriage, the relationships that you dreamed you would have. And the reality is is that for all of us, in sometimes big ways, or maybe just one segment of life, but we all can relate to the fact that what we dreamed of, what we hoped for, isn't exactly in all areas of life exactly the way it is in reality. And then you get to your late 20s or in your 30s somewhere, about that time frame, and you begin to see, you know what, I kind of have a good idea of what the rest of my life is probably going to look like in large part, not every detail, but start to see trends, right? And you start to see, you know what, tomorrow is probably going to look a lot like today, and next year is going to be looking a lot like this year. And sometimes, in some ways, We're not all excited about that. That's not what we're excited about. And then what exacerbates the problem is we look around, right? Or we go to Facebook and look around and everything always looks so nice on Facebook because we only post nice things usually on Facebook. And we become feeling of trapped almost. Maybe not in our whole life, but in certain areas of life where it's just not the way we wanted it to be, that we dreamed it would be, and in some ways, we're not sure what to do about it. And so that's really just, you know, the point of our first fill-in-the-blank today, that we can feel trapped at times. Maybe not in our entire life, we all have good things in our lives, but in an area of our life, we can feel trapped in our lives, And, and the question is, what do we do about it? You know what most people do when they feel trapped? I guess the the turtle didn't do it. But most people, they run away. They try to break free. And so sometimes when people feel trapped in a relationship or trapped in an area of life, a job, a career, a place, they try to fix it, be free by running away. Run away from a job. Run away from a relationship. Or if you live in Minnesota, get in a car, go on I-35, and drive as far south as you can until it gets warm, and run away (laughs) from this weather that seems to trap us in our homes, right? And yet, if you've ever tried to run away from circumstances, and in that way be free, how well did that work? The reality is that sometimes it works for a short amount of time but it never works in the long term. And here is, I heard this statement, it applies so well to that type of runaway thinking. The reason it doesn't work is because wherever you go, there you are, (laughs) right? And so a lot of times, it's not that we need to run away from circumstances. The common denominator is me and my thoughts and my attitudes and my lack of contentment or whatever it is, right? So running away doesn't work. Maybe, again, short-term, not long-term. And that's why I'm so excited about this series because I know you can relate and God gives us direction on how to be free. And today's message is really, as I said at the beginning of our service, just kind of laying out the introduction, the main big idea of what can free us, okay? And to do that, we're going to turn to the book of John in just a moment But before we get to John 8, we're going to spend a couple minutes back in John chapter 5. And if you lived at the time of Jesus and you asked someone living in Jerusalem or a Jew, you know, what people are the most God-fearing people around? What group of people are the most um, God-fearing, God-abiding? What group of people are are the quintessential God-followers? The churchy ones. Yeah, it would be, they would have answered every single time, the Pharisees. They were the people that looked churchy. They were the people that were at church a lot. They looked like they were God-fearing. And yet, the ironic part, if you know Jesus' ministry much, is that the people that Jesus had the harshest words for and the most conflict with and the most difficulty with were the Pharisees. Now where did that come from? And what was up with the Pharisees? Well, Jesus in John chapter 5 gives us a little bit of a picture into what the problem was, and this will lead into the big idea for this series. In John chapter 5, here's what Jesus says. He's speaking directly to Pharisees, and he's saying to them, you guys, you diligently study the scriptures. Now that's good, I pray that can be said of everyone here. Our goal is to diligently, regularly, continually be in the Word and study the Scriptures. So that's good. But the reason they were doing it, Jesus points out as being not so good. Because you think... This is what you believe. You think that by them you possess eternal life. And that doesn't sound necessarily bad either, but the word possess here has more the connotation of because you think that by them you'll earn eternal life. You think by them you can, again, gain by your actions God's love, God's forgiveness, and eternal life. And so the Pharisees their issue was that they believed something that wasn't true. They believed that they could earn God's love by the things that they would do. And their whole life was centered around that lie. Okay, So, for instance, um, in the Old Testament, there are hundreds of laws that God followers needed to to follow. In fact, um, praise be to God that we are Christians in the New Testament and not the Old Testament. It is so much... Easier, in some ways to be a Christian in the New Testament because of all the laws that were in the Old Testament. Well, here's what the Pharisees would do. They would take a law like rest on the Sabbath day and they would write their own addendum. So rest on the Sabbath day is in the Bible, but then they would write the addendum of, all right, so here's how many steps that means. You can't walk more than that. You can do this. You can't do that. La 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 law. Which is so ironic because again, When Jesus was asked by a person about what should a Christian be doing as far as their faith life, Jesus actually made it all smaller. He said two things, love God, love people. Love God, love people. Jesus was not about the law. Yes, he wants us to follow with our lives, but he was more about grace. The Pharisees were all about restrictions and about making the Christian life harder in a lot of ways. So Jesus, a few chapters later, has a chance to speak to a large group of people. And in that midst of Jewish people, there are believing Jews, non-believing Jews, and there are some Pharisees. Jesus has some words for the believing Jews in that group. John chapter 8. This is where our theme, kind of theme verse, basic, big idea of the series will be found. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said to so this smaller group amongst the large group, if you hold to my teaching, if you abide in my word, if you hold to its truths, if you don't add to it, I'm adding this part, like the, the Pharisees, okay? If you, if you hold to just my teaching, don't add to it, don't subtract to it, you are really then my followers, my disciples, And if you hold to my teaching, then you will know the truth because my teaching is truth, all of it. And then if you want to light up the next one, Tracy, next frame, the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. You know how trapped the Pharisees probably felt? They felt... Trapped, I'm sure, by all the laws and addendums that they added. And here's how they felt trapped. They felt trapped in their daily lives because, believe me, their whole lives were planned out as far as what they could do and what they couldn't do. They also felt trapped in their thinking. There's no way someone who bases their eternity on what they need to do and earning God's love will ever be free of guilt or ever be free of the wondering of where I'm going to spend eternity. Because when your salvation is based on works, what happens is that you get trapped by yourself. I have uh, the privilege of being able to minister to people who are near death um, with the gospel. And there are certain times when, let's say they're at a Christian nursing home, there might be a chaplain on staff and I can't get there every day and and the chaplain just decides to to show up. and, And in most cases, that's okay. But there are times where the chaplain at this time in their life or their near death is really getting them to focus on the wrong things. Like, did you really make your decision for Jesus or for Christ or for faith? Or, you know, are you sure that you've done enough. And then I go in there and my train of thought isn't to ask questions at all, but just to make statements. You've been baptized. You're God's child. Jesus died for you. You're forgiven through faith. And you can see visibly on their face someone feeling all trapped by what the chaplain or or whoever it might be, maybe it's a family member, has got them to focus on. And the gospel, the truth of forgiveness through Jesus, frees them, lets them breathe easier, gives them peace in their last hours or last days. That's what the gospel can do for you right now. Sometimes we feel trapped by our past, we carry it around like luggage that we should just let go of. The truth is that Jesus has forgiven all of it. Be free. Let it go. And that kind of brings us to our, our next fill-in, which this happened before, Tracy, that our, um, it gets uh, sort of, fro- it's been frozen a little bit. So our, our next fill-in is, uh, if you're following along, is this. Number two. The truth of Jesus' work, so the word truth, frees us from guilt and worry. The truth of Jesus' work frees us from guilt and from worry. Okay? Now, what is true about our eternity, Jesus freeing us, that truth freeing us, also is true in other areas of our life. I mean, the biggest area is how we feel about eternity and how we feel about our relationship with God. But because God's word is truth in all areas, it can do the same thing, set us free in other areas of life, too. And that brings us to our our big idea for this message, or the main idea. Fill in number three. Our beliefs influence our attitude and behavior. Our beliefs influence our attitude and behavior. Perfect. That's what I was going to tell you to do. Our beliefs influence our attitude and behavior. So, what does that mean? Well, let me give you some examples of this. What you believe about me as a person or a pastor will influence your attitude towards me and your behavior towards me. Isn't that true? Right? Okay. So how you believe about or what you believe about your spouse influences how you feel about them and your behavior towards them. What you believe about your parents influence your attitude towards them and your behavior towards them. What you believe about money influences Your attitude towards money, like if you believe that it's all because of your hard work, that you have what you have, guess what? When it looks like the market's going to crash or you're going to lose your job, your attitude is going to be one of fear. Because you believe it's you. You forgot it's God. And with God comes some peace, knowing that he'll provide. So our attitude about money influences, or our beliefs influence our attitude on our behavior. In fact, your belief, what you believe about anything, influences how you act towards that thing or person and, and what you think about it. Let me give you an example of this from history, okay? So um, for many, many years, for centuries, people believed the same thing about the shape of the earth. For many years, Centuries people believed that the earth was Flat exactly right, so this belief that the world was flat now is the earth flat? No, but people believed it and it influenced people's attitudes and their actions their behavior So sailors up until the mid-1500s always had this fear And it's so dumb because we know the truth, but that they wouldn't sail too far out off a shore because what might happen? (laughs) Where would they go? I don't know, but they might sail off the side of the earth. So it affected their attitude. They were fearful. It affected their behavior. They tended to stay a little closer to the shore, right? Than going way out there. But then in the mid-1500s, there's this guy, maybe you heard of him, his name's Christopher Columbus, all right? And the story goes that he was sitting under a tree holding an orange. And as he was holding the orange, a butterfly came and landed on it and started to walk towards the back side of the orange. And as it did, the last thing Christopher Columbus saw of the, the, the butterfly was the tip of its wing as it walked on the other side of the orange. And he got to be thinking, you know what? That kind of looks like what it looks like a ship is way off in the distance. And the last thing you see is the last little bit of its sail. And he got to thinking and he started to believe the world's not flat. It's round. It's a sphere. And guess what? Because of his change of belief, We North America was discovered, and many of you have an extra Monday off every year. The world wasn't flat, but people for centuries were trapped by something that wasn't true, by a lie. When the truth was found, we're no longer trapped. We're set free. Sometimes, like the Pharisees, we believe lies about ourselves, about our lives, about the world. Now, if you're a confident person, you're like, I don't believe lies. I mean, what do you think? I'm dumb. I have common sense. It's not that you're dumb. It's not that I'm dumb. It's not that you don't have common sense. Here's the problem. Sometimes the megaphone of the world and the world's wisdom is louder than the whisper of God's word. And so every day you are bombarded by truth. It comes from commercials, it comes from shows, it comes from movies, it comes from Facebook and other internet websites, it comes from uh, family members who may not be Christian or maybe are Christian. Uh, truth. So-called truth comes from employees, it comes from your boss, it comes at work, it comes from your peers uh, um, at school. It's everywhere. It's not all true. And in fact, to make it even worse, a marketing strategy that businesses in our country use and in our world is, I mean, they are not bashful with saying that they broadcast misinformation, Because they don't care about giving truth. They care about getting your money. And so marketers will give you things out there that aren't true. And they know it. But it's about money. It's not that you're dumb. It's that we're sinful people. Live in a sinful world. And sometimes we need to hear truth. The real truth. Now, if you're still trying to track with me, like, what lies do I believe? Um, Let me give you a flavor of some of the things. So, ladies, one of the lies that you believe, and you know it's not true, but you still believe it, is that in in order to be lovable, you need to be beautiful. And beautiful means... 110 pounds, whatever, you know, you put in that whatever weight and perfect skin and da-da-da-da-da. It's not true. But some of us are trapped by this lie of what beauty is supposed to be. Men, I think for us, a lot of times, it's you need to be wealthy and successful in order to be worthy. That, that our worth is centered around how successful or how wealthy or how much income we bring to the family. It's not true. But we get into the habit of believing it. There's tons of lies when it comes to marriage that you believe, um, and I believe, or people believe. One of them is that your job is to fix your spouse. (laughs) It's a lie. You can't. Only God can. Can we help? Can we encourage? Yeah. God's the fixer. I've never had in 10 years of ministry a couple come in and say, or a husband or wife come in and say, hey, Ben, guess what? I just fixed them. You know? I mean, we had all these problems, everything was difficult, and then I just worked really hard, and everything's, I fixed her. It's all better. Never happened, never will. In fact, if you try to fix your spouse, it's going to get worse. It's not our job to fix them. Here's a lie single people believe. Single people sometimes believe that in order to be happy, they need to be married. And sometimes married people believe the lie that in order to be happy, they need to be single again. And yes, it was meant to be humorous, but at the same time, it's so true. That's why divorce is so prevalent. The problem is, what I mentioned earlier, wherever you go, there you are. And there isn't married people problems. There are single people problems that people bring into marriages. <laughs> it's a lie. I'm not going to be happier getting a divorce. You're not going to be happier getting married in and of itself. It brings some happiness, some short-term happiness. But it's in here. Or how about the as soon as lie? It's kind of to do with that happiness thing again. As soon as X, Y, or Z happens, then I'll be happy. Right? And it could be as soon as I'm married. Um, as soon as I get this job, I'll be happy. Or as soon as I move into this home, I'll be happy. Or as soon as I move out of the house, I'll be happy. Or as soon as, you know, and the list is infinite, but it's not true. You See what I'm, see what I'm saying? And the beliefs, oh, the beliefs that we have affect. One more. Influence our attitude and our behavior. So what do we believe in? There's lots of messages out there. Well, that goes back to that theme first again. Come back to it as we close. Next slide, please. If you hold to my teaching, and I love the flavor of hold there in the Greek, it's the idea of staying in often. It's the idea of holding on tightly, of not departing from. It's it's the idea that as we stay in God's word, the the, the whisper of God gets louder, and the megaphone of the world gets quieter. And when we're listening and applying truth, God's truth, we'll be set free from so many things that have tried to entrap us. Here's our last fill in. Lies trap us. God's truth sets us free. So, over the next four weeks, as we now have this sort of big idea for the series, what we're going to be doing is taking a look at some of these lies in depth that so easily affect so many of us and that we find ourselves believing. And hopefully, as we apply God's truth to them, we'll be set free in many areas of our life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that first and foremost it it sets us free to know that heaven is our home through Jesus and through your grace. We also thank you that it's a a lamp for our feet and a light for our path that uh, frees us in other areas of our life too. To know your will and, and to know the truth. Lord, as we continue to go through this series, i asks ask that you would uh, strengthen us to, to understand your truth and to apply it to our lives. Lord, today we also keep in our our prayers um, um, as we have a new member banquet this evening. Um, We we thank you for the the 55 or so new members that you've blessed us with this past year and pray that Bethlehem continues to be a blessing for them and for all of our people and that we continue to be a blessing for each other as we apply our gifts and use them to your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name and continue. Our Father. Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. At this time our